0: Hi, and welcome to the study of God's Word from the pulpit of First Baptist Church, Wenton, California. I have a great idea this morning. Let's go to Romans chapter 8. We're almost there, right? You beat me to the punch, right? All right this morning a story. There was um, a lady who had a female parrot, and the only thing the parrot said was, let's pray. Well, the lady met a man who also had a parrot, and he had a male parrot who said nothing but, let's kiss. And eventually the man and the woman married. And not only was it the uniting of a man and a woman, it was also the uniting of the two parrots. And they put those parrots in the same cage, and the female parrot looked over and very demurely and piously said, Let's pray. And the male parrot said, Let's kiss. The female parrot said, Praise God, my prayers have been answered. (laughs) If you want to know how to get your prayers answered, one of the key ways is right here in Romans chapter 8, beginning in verse 26. The Bible says, in the same way. Well, you never start a passage of Scripture with those words because it means that it's tied to something else. It gives the conclusion that, it wants you to go back and we've done that a lot But it's saying let's go back and let, let's see what that means So you never start that way unless you know you're going to be referencing something now remember last week I said That there are three mentions of the word groan. We talked about groaning, right? and it talks about how creation is groaning and nature is groaning because there's going to be a future renovation of all the heavens and the earth then right above that passage, it talked about how we as Christians groan inwardly. And because of our physical bodies grow tired, and they they wear out, and we're looking forward to that redemption even within our own bodies. But here's the third example of groaning. In the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. We do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit Himself intercedes with us and groans with us and shows us the words that we cannot express. And he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for the saints in accordance with God's will. Now this passage is all about how sometimes we are uh, weak in prayer. We're not very strong in our prayer life, and the Holy Spirit helps us to pray. It's, it's two sides of one coin. On one hand, we're going to talk about how you and I have a weakness, and we, uh, we try to pray. And on the other side of the coin is about how the Holy Spirit helps us to do so. So this morning, we were going to talk about how our prayers are hindered because of our, well, why is our prayers hindered most of the time? Anybody know? Sin. Sin. Yeah, sin. Our prayers are weak because at least three reasons, though. Verse 26 speaks of these, and it says, The Spirit helps us in our weakness. And perhaps the first song that you ever learned as a Christian was what? Jesus Loves Me? Jesus Loves Me. Have you ever sung that song and thought it was the only song that was talking about little children? Most people do. But when it says little ones to him belong, I don't know about you, but when I think about the greatness of God, I am pretty little, and you are too. We're all little. You ever think that maybe they are weak, but he is strong? Wrong again, because the Bible says we are all weak, and because we are weak in our prayer life, we need some help. We need some help. So, before you can ever get any help in your prayer life, you have to admit, like this scripture says, hey, I'm very weak when it comes to prayer. Why? Because we fail to pray. There are at least three reasons we are weak. We are weak in prayer because of our failure to pray. And sometimes we just don't pray. We just don't pray. We often sing hymns, and we don't even pay attention to the words. The Bible says in Jeremiah 33, God says, Call upon me, and I will answer you and show you great and mighty things that you did not know. Can I ask you this question? Have you ever spent 15 minutes in prayer? Have you ever spent 30 minutes in prayer? How about an hour? But in that time of prayer, was it all about prayer? Or did your mind wander? Did your mind wander? Do you remember when Jesus was praying in the garden? He went to the disciples and asked them, Can't you watch and pray for one hour? It would be a good idea if Jesus would come up to every one of us in our lifetime and say, Hey, can't you pray for one hour? When you really start examining how you spend your time and how you invest the 24 hours in your day, God has given every one of us, and you realize you may not be spending very much of that time in prayer, but prayerlessness is not just an inconvenience. Sometimes it is inconvenient to pray. Am I right? Is it inconvenient for you to pray? Sometimes it is. But according... To the Bible, prayerlessness is a sin. It's a sin. Look at First Samuel twenty-three, twenty-three. Samuel says, As for me, far be it from me that I should sin against the Lord by failing to pray for you. He's telling us prayerlessness is a sin. I will teach you the way that is good and that is right. One reason we are weak is simply because we fail to pray. But there is an ignorance about prayer. We are weak because of our ignorance about prayer. We simply don't understand enough about prayer. Now, I've been personally trying to be more consistent in my prayer life and learn more about prayer and how to be a prayer warrior, right? always sounds good. I'm going to be a prayer warrior. But that's what I strive to be. Now, early on in life, in my Christian life, I was not a prayer warrior. It was inconvenient for me to pray. But then I realized that God says that's a sin. And so how do we get better at prayer? We practice. But we also understand to not put limitations on ourselves. With prayer, we cannot limit ourselves of what we do, how we do it, when we do it, how often we do it. Because God says we don't need to do that. The school of prayer is a study from which you never graduate. Understand that as good as your prayer life might be, still not good enough. You might say, well, that's very negative. But it's true. Our prayer life can always get better. We are always learning. For me personally, the more I learn about prayer, the more I realize how ignorant I am about it. We're going to talk about some deep things today about prayer and you need to probably ask yourself, am I still learning about prayer? Am I still doing the same, now I lay me down to sleep? Is it the same prayer every night? Are we still doing the same, God bless this food and all the missionaries, amen? Are you growing in your knowledge of prayer? Luke chapter 11 says one day Jesus was praying in a certain place and when he had finished one of the disciples came to him and said, "Lord, teach us to pray." And just as just as John taught his disciples. Now, never once did the disciples say, "Lord, teach us to preach." "Lord, teach us to go out and be missionaries." They never said, "Teach us to heal." They never said, Lord, teach us to baptize. Teach us to organize. They said, teach us to pray. If you really want to learn how to pray, God will answer that prayer. Look at verse 26. In the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. The problem is we do not know what we ought to pray for sometimes we forget what we need to pray for. Now I hope most of you know if you have been praying for a while that there are several conditions to prayer. In other words, there are some conditions we must meet if God's going to answer our prayer. God doesn't just arbitrarily answer in unilaterally anything that we throw at him. And I think we could all agree with that. He doesn't always answer our prayer. Matthew 21:22 Jesus said when you pray believe that you shall receive and you will have it believe that you will receive if you ask God for something and you don't believe you will receive it that prayer is worthless we've all heard the saying pray for rain but how many of you out there are waiting with umbrellas pray for rain Pray for rain. Now here's the second condition to praying. Jesus said in John 14, when you pray, whatsoever you ask in my name, you shall receive it. Not only do you pray believing, you pray in the name of Jesus. You pray in the name of Jesus. And the third condition is in John 15. Jesus said, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, you can ask what you will, and it will be done unto you. Now, before you come to God in prayer, you have to make sure his word is abiding in you. You have to make sure that it's abiding in you, and you are abiding in Christ. There's one other condition, and it's kind of the toughest one of all. So let's kind of face it. Sometimes it's easier to pray with belief. Anybody can pray in the name of Jesus, and you can let his word abide in you, but our inability to know what to ask for according to his will, according to his will, meaning not what I want or what I think I need, but what God really wants for me. And so that fourth condition is you need to pray according to God's will. And according to 1 John chapter 5, this is the confidence we have in approaching God, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. He hears us. Have you ever had this problem? You go to the Lord and you want to pray about some sort of pressing issue that's in your life or in the life of someone you love and you don't know what to ask for. You don't know what God's will is in that particular instance. And so that's where you are. That's where you are. God, I don't know what your will is. But I pray that your will be done. You know, you have to pray according to his will for that prayer to be answered. You have to pray according to his will. And it is true, we sometimes ask for things that are not in God's will that Ferrari still has not come but that's not according to his will I remember I was dating a girl in high school and you know how first loves is you think you're going to marry them right away and I even prayed for God to let me marry that girl and I thank God for unanswered prayer I thank God for unanswered prayer. Have you ever asked God for something and he didn't give it to you and later on you said, dodged a bullet, right? It wasn't in his will. You have to know what to ask for because if you ask for the wrong thing, you won't get it. That's like a fellow that I heard about who was talking to God and said, God, you are such an awesome God. How long is a million years to you? Now, I'm teaching apologetics to the kids for the co-op, and these are some of the questions that come up. And this was one of them. How long is a million years to you? And God said, My son, a million years is just one second. He says, Well, God, how much is a million dollars to you? He says, My child, a million dollars is like one penny. So the man said, Lord, would you give me one of those pennies? The Lord said, certainly. Wait a second. (laughs) Sometimes we ask for the wrong thing, and it's not according to his will, we won't receive it. But the problem is, how do we know what God's will is? What is his will? And that brings to the other side of the coin. The Spirit helps us pray as he intensifies Our burden to pray. He intensifies that burden to pray. Our weakness is the first thing, but the second thing this passage talks about is how the Holy Spirit helps us to pray. He helps us pray as he intensifies our burden to pray. The word used here in verse 26 is groaning. We talked about it last week. We're going to talk about it again. It talks about groaning, and that speaks of intensity. Speaks of intensity. Sometimes we are reluctant to pray, And we may be reluctant to pray out loud, and sometimes that is because we don't think our prayers are eloquent enough. And you know what I'm talking about. You get sometimes you get pastors or individuals who who will pray and they are just fantastic. I mean, it just goes on and on and on. You're like, oh, when's it ever gonna stop? And then you're like, I don't want it to stop. But that stops us sometimes. If we don't pray eloquently. We almost feel embarrassed that we're not able to do it. I heard... Let me give you an example of how I kind of see it as. Have you ever heard people, when they pray, change their voice almost? Like they all of a sudden get really deep. I'm praying to God, right? And it sounds like they swallowed the baptism table, or I mean the... Lord's Supper's table, like it just, ooh, you know, and they pray so eloquently and, and sometimes you wonder, are they praying to be heard by man or are they praying to be heard by God? I heard a preacher say one time that the best prayers are the simplest and the shortest. They don't have to be eloquent. It's kind of like Simon Peter when uh, that night he walked on the water and he took his eyes off Jesus. What was his prayer? Lord, save me. And that was his prayer. That was his prayer. Lord, save me. Only three words. And to be honest, that's a pretty good prayer. A preacher talking about that said, "You know, if some of our preachers today had been praying that prayer, it would have been so eloquent that they would have drowned to death." Dear Lord, we come to you on this starlit night with the wind blowing and the waves, right? It doesn't have to be that way. The best prayers are the shortest and the simplest and the most heartfelt because this passage is talking about prayers that don't emanate from the mouth. They emanate from the heart. They emanate from the heart. The word there has grown. Sometimes we go before the Lord and we're so burdened we don't even know what to say. We don't even know what to say. I don't I know there are many of you in this room that, who are very intimate with the Lord, and there are times you have gone before Him and you have gotten on your knees and you've been so burdened that this is pretty much all that comes out. Oh, oh Lord. But that's a groan. It's a groan. And that's the only thing that can come out because that's straight from your heart. It's straight from your heart because the Holy Spirit intensifies that burden. He intensifies that burden. And I think the problem with a lot of our prayers is that we are such half-hearted, we're apathetic, lethargic, lackadaisical, and they don't mean anything. There's There's no heart behind our prayer. Look at what James said in James 5. The persistent, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. Avails much. You say, well, my prayers are not availing much. Here's why. Check out these two requirements. Are you praying persistently? Is there fervency or intensity in your prayers? There's a woman named Mary Taylor, and she lived in Alabama and was a quote-unquote happy Christian. And her husband was an alcoholic at the time, and every Wednesday night and every Sunday, her church prayed for her husband, and one winter Saturday afternoon, the telephone rang, and it was Mary. She's speaking to her pastor. She said, brother, brother David, come over right now. Roy is ready to get right with God. Come on, let's pray. Let's pray with him. Let's pray with him. So David hopped in his car and he drove across the river to a little house in that area. He walked up the sidewalk to the little house and he walked to the back of this modest home and there was Roy sitting at the table. Now, Roy was exactly what you would imagine and think of what a alcoholic would look like. He was overweight. He looked just like, um, what was his name? Uh, Otis on the Andy Griffith show, if you remember that. He looked just like him. He was wearing a t-shirt and pants, but no shoes, and his head was down in his hands, and the little bit of hair he had flopped over his head. There were bottles of whiskey on the kitchen counter, and Mary said, he's ready to get right with God. He's ready to quit drinking. Let's pour this whiskey down the drain. And he says he stood there and poured that whiskey down the drain, and it cleaned out the drain like you wouldn't believe. It was better than Drano. And she said, now let's pray for him let's pray for him. So the pastor sat down in a chair and he sat down on the other side of Roy and they started to pray. And the pastor prayed something like this, dear Lord, I thank you that Roy's ready to get right. And Lord, I just pray. And then at that point, Mary interrupts him and he couldn't, he couldn't fathom what was going on. She reached over and touched him and said, come on preacher, you can do better than that. He had never had anyone interrupt him in his prayers before. And he didn't know what to do, so what did he do? He toned it up a bit. So he started speaking a little louder. Thought, okay, maybe I need to be more passionate about this prayer, right? So he did that. So he he increased the volume. He said, dear God, I pray that you just do something in Roy's life. She shook his arm again and said, come on, preacher, pray. Pray. He's puzzled, right? She says, you ain't praying. And he didn't know what else to do, so he fell on his knees. He grabbed the guy and was just praying as loud as he possibly could. And then he finally said, amen. And the pastor David looked up, and Mary was not in the room anymore. Sometime during his prayer, she left, and she didn't know, or he didn't know where she was. And then he heard coming from the living room in what he could only describe as a moan or a groan. Oh, God, save my husband. See, he went in there and he was there with this lady and she was laid out on her face, stretched out, nose down on the shag carpet, weeping and groaning unto God for deliverance of her husband. Well, Roy got saved and they buried him not too long after that, but they believe that he went to heaven but they learned a lesson that day about the intensity of prayer and the pastor learned a lesson about what it really means to pray in the groaning of the spirit it didn't have to be some eloquent or loud prayer believe me I could be up here and start yelling things at you not my style but when the Holy Spirit calls you answer that call Has that ever happened to you? Have you ever been so burdened about something, the only thing that came out was a groan? But that's what the Bible is talking about here. The Holy Spirit helps us with the intensity of our burden to pray. But also, it intercedes for us in prayer. Notice the last part of verse 26. The Spirit himself intercedes for us. Then look at the last phrase of verse 27. The Spirit intercedes for the saints in accordance to God's will. What that's talking about is sometimes we need somebody to intercede between us and the Father. And if you don't know what intercede means, let me just give you a good English definition. Intercede means to mediate between two parties. Now, I'm a particular fan of words. Uh, Before I went into the ministry... I got a bachelor's degree in English, and just for some reason, it always stuck with me uh, through grammar school and high school and junior high and all that. Uh, I was really into vocabulary, and it's just kind of kind of a passion of mine. But um, our English word "intercede" is actually two Latin words, and it's the inter meaning between sedere, meaning to go, and Someone who intercedes is a go-between. So Jesus intercedes for us in prayer. Now, for years I read this passage of Scripture, and I thought the intercession of the Holy Spirit uh, in prayer was the Holy Spirit interceding to the Father from us. But in actuality, as I got into more depth on it, it actually intercedes for us to the Father. So the direction of the intercession is actually very crucial. And actually, did you know that as Christians, we have dual intercession, intercession in both directions? Think about the Lord Jesus, our Savior, okay? Jesus is in heaven, amen? He speaks to the Father for us, and that's what it says in 1 John uh, chapter 2, verse 1. But if anybody does sin, we have one who speaks to the Father in our defense. It's the word advocate. Advocate. Jesus Christ, the righteous one, is our high priest, and he ever lives to make intercession for us. So, where is the Lord Jesus right now? Well, he's here. He's here. He's actually here in the person of the Spirit. He is here in the person of the Spirit. But did you know Jesus Christ was crucified? He was buried. He was resurrected. And he ascended into heaven. And the Bible says right now he is seated at the right hand of God. And do you know what he's doing? Huh? Yeah. He's interceding for you. The Bible says there is one mediator between God and man; it is the man Jesus Christ. Isn't it good to know that Jesus is praying for you? Jesus is praying for you. Remember in Luke chapter twenty-two, the night before Jesus was crucified, he said to Simon Peter, "Simon, Satan has asked to sift you as wheat." Do you remember the old sifters and and they brought up the lumps and the, interfe- uh, the imperfections? Have you seen those? Most of you probably have in here. But I actually had to work one of those one time, and it just it lifts the lumps to the top, right? But you see, that's kind of what the devil is trying to do here. He's basically trying to lift up that sin and put it right in your face and make you feel worthless. He's trying to make you feel worthless. It says, I have prayed for you that your faith won't fail, and when you have turned back, strengthen your brother's. I really think that this is the thing that kept Peter going, even though he failed the Lord, even though he denied him three times. The thing that made him come back to the Lord was to realize Jesus was praying for him, too. Wouldn't it help to know that Jesus is praying for you when you face temptation, when you're discouraged, and when you're depressed? Well, guess what? He is. He is. He ever lives to make intercession for you. I like that of the great Scottish preacher Robert McKean. He says, if I could hear Christ praying for me in the next room, I would not fear a million enemies. Yet distance makes no difference, does it? He is praying for you. He is praying for me. The direction of the intercession Jesus is involved in is from us to the Father. But the other direction is the Holy Spirit. Because the Holy Spirit in us speaks to us for the Father. Do you remember we said one of the earlier problems in our prayer life is that we don't know how to pray according to His will? How do we determine God's will? Well, one way is we read His Word. And if the Bible says something then it is his will it is his will but how else can we determine how to pray according to god's will this is how the holy spirit intercedes he speaks to us from the father and some of you are saying i'm not too sure about this does the holy spirit actually speak certainly he does There's an example in Acts chapter 10. While Peter was still thinking about the vision, the Spirit said to him, Simon, three men are looking for you, so get up and go downstairs. Do not hesitate to go with them, for I have sent them. The Holy Spirit speaks. So sometimes when you are trying to determine what is God's will in this matter, it is the intercession of the Holy Spirit from the Father to you that reveals His will for you. Now I can tell by the looks on your face that you're confused. Guess what? I was too. But I want to show you graphically what it means to pray in the spirit. And by the way, Ephesians 6:18 is all about putting on the whole armor of God. We know this. We did this as children and they're probably still doing it now. But it's all about putting on the whole armor of God. And what do you do when you are dressed for battle? Do you go sit on the couch? you sit back and wait no when you're dressed for battle what are you going to do you're going to go to battle you pray that's where the battlefield is it's in prayer that's where the battle is in prayer and pray in the spirit on all occasions and with all kinds of prayers and requests with this in mind you need to be alert though always keep on praying for all of the saints. In other words, we need to encourage one another. We need to encourage one another. Look at numbers 1 through 4 in this picture. There's a kind of prayer that is an audible prayer. We are all familiar with that, and it is the way most of us pray most of the time. In other words, dear God, thank you for this food. Dear God, bless my family. It's an audible prayer that comes basically out of our mouths, and, of course, God hears our prayers. He says that. And secondly, there's a second kind of prayer. I made a mistake when I sent this to the printer, and I should have not have said inaudible, because actually, inaudible means you cannot hear it, and you can hear the groaning of the Spirit. So, slight correction for you. So the word I would rather actually would say here, instead of inaudible, is actually inarticulate. Inarticulate. It means when you hear it, you hear it, but it doesn't sound like words. Notice where that prayer comes from. It comes from the heart in which the Holy Spirit of God is indwelling, and it comes out, as the Bible says, a groan. It comes out as a groan. So how does God respond to that kind of prayer? Did you notice the first part of verse 27 says, and he who searches our hearts? Well, I have good news for you today. I have good news for you. God searches your heart, and he knows what's there. We just sung about this. And yes, it can be a scary thing, because there are some of us in here that are hiding from a number of different things. But God knows where you stand. God knows where you are at. God knows your heart. So you might as well be honest with him. He also knows the mind of the spirit. Why? Because the spirit is God, and it is the mind of the spirit as God speaks to us to reveal his will to us. And the key to this whole passage is the final phrase in verse 27, which says, "He intercedes for the saints in accordance with God's will." Do you want to know how to pray according to God's will? Pray in the spirit. Pray in the Spirit. I want to finish by giving you an example of this and what we call the groaning of the Spirit. And this one is from the life of Jesus. So once again, the night before Jesus was crucified, he went into the garden. And would you agree with me that he was terribly burdened? Yeah. He himself said, My soul is exceedingly sorrowful even unto death. So how burdened was he? The Bible says there were sweat drops of blood on his forehead. He threw himself on his face, and this is what he prayed. Do you remember the prayer? He said, Father, take this cup from me. Let's put that on hold for just a moment. But was it God's will to take the cup away from Jesus? No. But that's what he asked for. Father, take this cup from me. But not my will, but yours be done. And that's the key here. He goes back and finds the disciples asleep. And he says, get up and pray. He says it three times. And in the course of making that request three times, what happens? They never comply, do they? The father reveals his will to Jesus. So no longer does he say, take this cup away from me. He is willing now to drink that cup. And in fact, later when Peter pulls out his sword, Jesus says, Will I not drink the cup the Father has prepared for me? He had come to an awareness of God's will. And how did he come to that awareness? Through prayer. Through prayer. He was ready to face that cross upon which he would be (sighs) nailed to. He was ready because he had found his Father's will. And how did he do that? He did that in prayer. Now you say, I don't like that example of Jesus because that's Jesus, and that doesn't count because we could never amount to the man and prophet and (laughs) being that Jesus was. But you can. You can because he was giving us a pattern. He was giving us an outline of how to do it. And I think that's what the Bible is talking about when it says, do you want to know what God's will is? Do you want to pray according to his will? We need to intensify the burden of our prayer and we keep on asking and we keep on asking and we keep on asking. And in that process of that prayer, the Holy Spirit will speak to you. You say, will he speak to me in an audible voice? No, he won't. It's much louder than that, actually. It's much louder. It's that spiritual intuition that we have that the Holy Spirit gives us. And if you want to know what it is to pray in the Spirit, get on your knees and ask the Holy Spirit to burden you. I know that sounds horrible. But ask God for the burden. Ask the Holy Spirit for that burden. And keep on asking, and God will reveal his will for you. It's a simple message, but it speaks volumes. How do we live a life like Christ? We take on his burden. Why? Because he's done it for us. He's done it for us. David's going to come and lead us in a time of our benediction. I know prayer life is difficult. And a lot of times it is inconvenient. But I know as well as you know that we believe in prayer, don't we? We believe in its power. We believe in its renewing of our spirit and the way that we communicate with God. How are we to know His will? We have to ask Him. And so my challenge for you is to pray. And then when you've done that, pray some more. And if you don't know what to pray for, my phone is always available. Come to me. Let's pray together. Let's pray together. David, lead us. And a great way, if you're not sure when to start, how to start a prayer, is to either say or sing this. Praise God blessings as we leave here this morning I pray before we leave we open our hearts and our minds to the opportunities that will be laid before us Lord there are many that are grieving that are lost and desperately seeking to fill their lives with the things that are gone Lord we know for a fact that the only way to fill those things is through you is to have a relationship with you And to know that you sacrificed your son so that we could live. Lord, thank you for your blessings. Thank you for our time here this morning. And Lord, again, I pray that all the things that we say and do be honoring to you. And all of God's people said, Amen. amen. Have a great day in the Lord. The Bible says, if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved.